Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Sarah Seibert, and this episode is brought to you by Maximus. Today, we're joined by Dr. Gil Alterovitz, Director of the Department of Veterans Affairs, National Artificial Intelligence Institute, or NIE. The NIE leads AI research, implementation, policy, and collaboration at the agency, and has seen tremendous growth since its launch in 2019. The NIE builds partnerships across government, industry, and the research community, and leverages data to build in deep learning, trustworthy AI, multi-scale AI analysis, and more. Alterovitz will dive into the history and progress of the NIE and discuss some of the noteworthy policies and projects his unit is focusing on, like VA's AI strategy, Blueprint for AI Bill of Rights, and the National AI Network. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Dr. Alterovitz, who will tell us a bit more about NIA's founding and history. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Alterovitz. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, It's great to be here as well. Yeah, to kick off the episode, I'd like to dive into Naya's background. Could you tell us a bit about its founding and what are some of your greatest achievements since its launch in 2019? Well, you know, the, the National Artificial Intelligence Institute at the VA or the NIE, as we call it, uh, as you mentioned, was founded in 2019. It's actually right around Veterans Day um, with this vision of leading the way in trustworthy artificial intelligence um, as a premier global institute for research, implementation and policy to collaborate um, and uh, and really enhance the outcomes for our veterans, uh, their families and, and beyond. And our, our mission is to really take that uh, R&D and that training and have an impact on a global scale, thereby ensuring the health and well-being of our veterans. So it's really um, an important mission. And uh, it's one that we've been working on now, as you mentioned, for a few years, both at the federal level uh, and uh, at the agency level. At the federal level, we've seen a number of different uh, advancements in in trustworthy AI. And uh, we've seen this executive order 13960 around promoting uh, the use of trustworthy AI in federal government, been uh, active in uh, in that area. Uh, in uh, carrying on that directive. Uh, we recently, uh, we've published a number of different uh, use cases. There are over 40 use cases that have been published um, and uh, examined them and, and around the areas of uh, trustworthy AI and around the nine principles that are within that executive order. Uh, most recently, the blueprint uh, for an AI Bill of Rights uh, came out. Uh, the V's been uh, active in that as well. Um, I'll just tell you about one aspect that the National AI Institute at the VA was involved in was the AI Institutional Review Board uh, aspect, uh, creating this module uh, and uh, really piloting uh, that out to see uh, for example, for research, uh, they, there's a number of different studies that, that can be done. And when you do that, uh, there are often uh, proposals are submitted to an institutional review board. And um, some of them uh, are now getting ones around artificial intelligence. And so we created this module, which uh, basically serves as a checklist and a uh, list of guidelines for them as they work through uh, and uh, analyze these different uh, AI proposals uh, for different types of of work um, that is now being um, introduced within the VA. We've also been um, working 
been uh, beyond piloting to seeing how we can scale things like this to scale trustworthy AI uh, across the the NISE uh, AI network, which is uh, comprised of these different um, researchers and practitioners across the VA uh, health system. Uh, mm -hmm. We now have about uh, four, we have four of these sites and um, the AI network really is all about being able to pilot these hospital level um, uh, systems. Uh, there's some work now going on in piloting hospital level AI oversight policies uh, and governing committees to incorporate the lessons that we've learned from the field. And, and that also is used to inform our uh, national policy, right, and oversight um, that should be applied. Um, and so those are some of the aspects kind of from the federal uh, level that we've seen moving down on down into uh, all the way to the local level, as I mentioned, uh, with the different uh, medical sites. Uh, we also have work at the agency level, such as the VA AI strategy, which we've done in the last few years that brought together some 20 some offices and uh, created the first ever VA AI strategy, uh, which is online. Anyone can can see that and um, and uh, that work has um, is now kind of in the implementation phase and is aligned with a number of uh, different national different national level strategies and the next thing that i thought to highlight is um, kind of building an ai community so at the va we have something called ai the va community um starting uh, 2021 and really is about bringing people together whether it be the access to education and training materials um, or whether it be to learn from others who are practicing AI, whether it be connecting to different parts of the AI network uh, or participating in, in real-time discussions on current AI topics. It's a way to bring the people together around um, AI at the VA. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll stop there, but there are a number of different pilots and other initiatives that we can talk to talk about as well that are kind of ongoing that we're excited about as well. Yeah, I'd love to dive deeper into that. And thank you for that overview. So broadly speaking, how does AI support medical research, improve clinical care, and help modernize VA healthcare? Yeah, that's a, a great question because AI, some of the best data that you'll see, you actually won't see, essentially. It'll be uh, essentially kind of behind the scenes, much like how uh, in consumer products, you might you know use a, a map to find the best uh, route to get from A to B. Underneath that, there may be some AI. In a similar way, um, in healthcare, I think we're, we're going to start to see that as well. So there's a lot of promise, uh, for example, in imaging. Um, so looking at imaging diagnostics, there's a lot of promise in uh, natural language uh, processing to look at clinical notes um, and analyze those for patterns um, and find uh, certain characteristics. There's a lot of potential in areas that support the healthcare but are not related directly to the healthcare delivery uh, itself, uh, such as around uh, what you might call a productivity and, and business operation type of um, uh, software that um, may increase efficiency, whether it be processing and automation of forms, uh, kind of identifying hand, handwriting and, and changing that into text to uh, listening to audio and, and converting that into text. Uh, so uh, speech recognition, there's a number of different uh, AI applications that essentially um, 
are are able to support the overall enterprise, but then really are leverageable in the healthcare space because you have a lot of different um, forms that are often filled out. You have different um, needs to uh, to be able to uh, capture that um, that information in a way that uh, AI can really uh, make a difference. Um, there's a couple examples. Maybe I'll highlight uh, one. We have uh, an application that came out of one of our tech sprints, and it, it really is uh, looking at uh, allowing patients to better manage their uh, chronic conditions. Um, such people may end up in the past having to see a provider frequently, but uh, through uh, this platform, there are ways for them now to interact and engage and, and track their progress uh, over time. Um, and so uh, that way they can make sure to adhere to uh, their medications, get the support they need and so forth. Um, there's uh, a number of different uh, projects going on in, in other areas, such as acute kidney injury, uh, seeing if you can predict that ahead of time, uh, thereby obviating the need for um, actually you know, having uh, a loss of kidney function so you can uh, take care of that and detect it before you have to uh, treat the uh, the disease uh, clinically, that is. Um, and, um, and, you know, overall, I think the common theme around all of these is that we're really looking at uh, responsible AI as a way to increase the efficiency and uh, in the in the service of and the delivery of these processes. So, by doing that, we're able to provide faster care, have more accurate screening and automating some of the functions. So that way that the healthcare provider can spend more time with the patients and provide a more uh, patient-centered care. And that's really, I think the underlying aspect of uh, trustworthy AI um, is that uh, we can build that trust with the patients, with the physicians that are leveraging the AI uh, by following the different uh, principles uh, and ensuring the best care possible. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's really exciting to watch the tech sprints and the different innovations that come out on that front. So outside of NIA itself, how have other departments and regional healthcare networks begun exploring their own application of AI toward medical care? So I think there's a number of different um, offices um, and, and uh, departments, if you mean other uh, departments and other agencies uh, that are looking at, uh, at AI. Within the VA, we're learning and discovering a number of these uh, AI applications through the AI VA network. So uh, people can really uh, discover, talk, and learn about other uh, use cases that exist. Um, as part of the executive order uh, 13960, what we did is we did an inventory of the different use cases, and which is now published online. And and that was essentially a discovery process uh, where we learned about a number of different uh, projects that are going on across different medical centers, across uh, different offices. And then I think you're asking also about other uh, departments. So uh, as part of that executive order, all the different departments, you know, VA being one of the departments um, and agencies uh, have shared their different use cases with each other. So we're learning from other agencies to see in other departments, what are similar use cases, what are different use cases uh, and learning uh, from that. And then also from those use cases that others have uh, perhaps 
uh, are more if it pursued and are more advanced in we can learn and see if we can learn from that and and same thing with ours we can share uh the ones that we have and and for people who are in other agencies and departments who are looking to advance further uh we can share those lessons learned that, that we we've done here this episode is brought to you by maximus at maximus we are focused on the future of health by advancing our nation's ability to respond to and prepare for rapidly evolving health challenges with impactful technology, critical frontline expertise, and deep mission understanding. Our federal and public health teams deliver innovation and IT modernization that enable more informed programmatic decisions leading to improved health outcomes for millions of lives. We do this through secure, data-driven, and customer experience-focused solutions. We are Maximus, moving people forward. Learn more at Maximus.com federal. That's Maximus.com federal. When did VA begin planning to launch its national AI network? Right. Well, actually, we probably started, we started from the very beginning thinking about the AI network uh, because really the AI network is, is really a way is a different way of working essentially than perhaps in the past. So rather than having kind of individual hundred, and there are hundreds of um, medical centers, um, you know, they're each have different programs um, and they may have uh, different priorities. The thought was that we could have an AI network that um, where there's a collaboration across a number of these medical centers and have different kinds of uh, themes. Um, so we've been thinking about it from, from the beginning as a way to have these um, areas of excellence where you could have expertise, uh, whether it be in, in a particular uh, region, so by geography, uh, but also in subject matter expertise. Um, and then once, and now, like we mentioned before, we have about four sites. Um, we had to start with Washington, D.C., uh, the actual medical center there. There's, of course, a central office as part of it as well. And then the uh, Long Beach was inaugurated in 2021. And in 2022, we inaugurated Kansas City and Tampa. So as you see, there are different regions uh, and they have different areas that they are uh, kind of specializing in. And uh, so then as we find, as we as a site uh, takes on a particular project, it can pilot it and then it can spread to other sites uh, and learn from uh, what happened in, in the first site. Um, and then we do that then with a corresponding with the next site on its area of specialty. And so that way we can uh, have the network kind of learn from itself, uh, from uh, the other participants in the network and, and move forward. Uh, we're looking now at growing the network, right? The, we have four now, you know, we started essentially with one, I guess that was not exactly a network, but uh, you know, that was uh, the Washington DC and then have expanded uh, as was mentioned. And now we're looking to, to grow further uh, into uh, different areas. We're exploring areas uh, such as uh, workforce development. Uh, we're looking at areas um, involving um, imaging and uh, deep learning. And so there's a, a number of different uh, possibilities coming up. How will the AI network interface with the work being done at NIA itself? Yes, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think when we think about the interface uh, between the AI network and the NIA itself, 
Um, it, it's it's actually structured into the organization. So we have we have site leads at each of the uh, NI centers, and then we have a uh, structure that oversees that within the central uh, NI, but it also interacts. It's sort of a bilateral, bi-directional sort of interaction, right? In that at the central office, we're learning from those AI sites and and they are uh, learning from us. Um, and we also uh, help to promote part of the workforce development by, by enabling uh, national level recruiting for uh, AI, uh, uh, specialists that can be at these different sites. Um, and so there's quite a bit of interaction, I would say, between uh, them, both in terms of uh, ideas of what we will uh, pilot and work on next, uh, whether it be around policies and what's working at the local level to translate that into central, uh, national level, federal types of policies. And then, and then back, you know, whether it be executive orders, AI Bill of Rights, and things like that, national AI R and D strategies, and kind of um, being able to influence the field through through the network. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned uh, just now some of the policies and things that you'll be working on. What are some of the AI network's early projects or priorities for the coming year? Yeah, good, good question. There's a number of them. Um, one of the things that I, I briefly mentioned was the, the AI uh, IRB module, um, which has been uh, piloted. We're looking at to scale that now uh, across the network and potentially beyond that. Um, so that's going to be one of the areas. Uh, we're looking at leveraging um, model cards, which is basically a way to increase transparency. Uh, almost think of it like a nutrition label that you might see on a can of soup that tells you what's in the soup, what are, uh, you know, how many calories, things like that. Similar types of things are now available for AI around the models so that you know uh, information about how well the model is performing, what kind of data it was used in training. And so you can ensure that um, it is uh, not, you know, it's fair, it's not biased and so forth. And so uh, model cards is another area that that we've been looking at. Um, we've also been looking at um, seeing how you can integrate uh, research and development types of pipelines with dashboards and, and things that will help move that more directly into clinical care. That's another area we've been looking at. Um, and then finally, in terms of uh, the projects that I mentioned before, there are ones where you end up, let's say, seeing a patient many times, you know, because of chronic conditions. So there's certain types of projects like that that are really suitable for AI because you'll have uh, information coming in over time and you'll have different pieces of information and, and uh, sources which may not be aware of each other. Um, and so uh, AI can help integrate, create an integrative kind of view uh, for that information and interact uh, with the different components to give you a holistic picture. That's great to hear. I love the idea of a list of ingredients. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out on how those different projects come together. Uh, so before we wrap up the episode, is there anything you'd like to add? I think that what, what we would want to note is that there's really we're really right now really just at the very beginning in some sense right um the first couple of years was really about building 
that core infrastructure, uh, building the workforce uh, for the NAI, building the uh, structures such as around the AI networks and, and the locations and the sites. And, and so I think a lot of the exciting things are just now around the corner, right? In terms of being able to leverage that AI network that we've been building, being able to really um, utilize that that workforce, essentially that, that workforce, our, our personnel are our greatest asset in, in some way. Uh, it's a lot of capability there that uh, we're seeking to, to grow both within our team and and uh, the VA as a whole and, um, and working with the different fellow partners. So I think there's just a lot of opportunities. I think almost every day we hear about AI um, in the in, in the news across a number of different um, successes that come up. Uh, at the same time, we need to be mindful and, and ensure that there is trust with the AI because um, there's uh, so much potential around AI, um, and we want to ensure that um, that uh, that the AI that we leverage is is fair. It doesn't introduce any uh, biases, and that it, it's uh, safe and effective for uh, the uses that we're leveraging it for. And so that's why uh, trust with the AI has been a large priority for us and uh, is continuing and will continue to be a large priority uh, going forward. Yeah, that's a great list of goals. And I'm looking forward to watch how you leverage your progress and continue to grow. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to learn more about your work. And maybe we can touch base in the future 2023 when those different projects start to come together. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. Uh, it's been uh, great to be on the show and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to having some successes and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, report back. So looking forward. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app or listen to more at govciomedia.com. Until next time. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.